with confidence as children of God now hear the word of the Lord from Philippians verse 10 through 12. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I might obtain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Maybe seated. Good morning. It's so good to be with you. Uh, for those of you here in the sanctuary and also you online, uh, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord. So grateful to be here and be in his presence. Um, I grew up at Cockrell Hill United Methodist Church. Uh, my family, my mom, joined the church when I was about five years old and pretty much was there through uh, teenage years. Cockrell Hill is, is the city of Cockrell Hill. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are uh, with Cockrell Hill, but it's one of three cities within the city of Dallas, the others being Highland Park and University Park. And so Cockrell Hill kind of helped uh, even out the economic, y'all with me? Um, the church was Jack Gray's last church before he went into evangelism. And so he was there until I was about in the fifth grade. And it was an incredibly strong church um, at that time. So when I was about nine years old, they decided uh, they were going to take the kids to Six Flags. Now, at that time, Six Flags was a big, big deal because it had only been open a few years and there were no other theme parks, at least in this area. And so going to Six Flags was huge and everybody was so excited and all that kind of stuff. And I think we rode on a bus. You know, there are some memories you kind of fade, you know, um, once you pass that time in your life. Um, but I remember I was, they put us with different people and I was put with a woman who was a great lady, but she had two boys that were um, uh, wild. I mean, they just, they wanted to go someplace else. They wanted to do something else. And she literally had them on like a leash thing. I'm not sure you could do that anymore. And they were about, you know, like seven and eight, you, you know, I mean, they were not little. And so pretty early on in the day, uh, we got there and all that kind of stuff. And um, one of the boys ran off which was a surprise because, you know, he never did that. And so she ran after him, and somehow in all of that, I got lost. And I was standing where I was standing, and I remember looking around and just people walking by and all that stuff, and I could not find her. You know, and I kind of walked around a little bit, but I kind of remembered the, you know, stay put, you know, they'll come back and find you. Well, yeah, that didn't happen. And so... <laughs> That is one of the traumas of my life, I must admit. I'm kidding. I just remembered it this morning. But, but I, so I started crying because I just felt 
so scared. And it's like, of course, as a nine-year-old, you're kind of thinking, will I ever see my family? You know, anyway, so somebody, uh, gratefully, somebody that worked at Six Flags came up and noticed I was, yes, lost. And so at that time, they take you to a place that was kind of a railroad train car uh, called Lost Parents. And so um, you're kind of in, it was kind of like time out, but not exactly, you know. And so uh, late in the day, and at one point I started crying again because it was kind of like, this has been a long time. And one would think if you're with a church group, the first place you would look is lost parents. So um, at the end of the day, they did come find me. And I don't, of course, it was a fun day at Six Flags, you know. I mean, I rode nothing. You know, I cried in the lost parents, you know, railroad car. Um, Feeling lost is not fun. It's not fun. And so John is about to start a series on finding our place. And, and in thinking about that, you know, I immediately, and he's going to cover a lot of things, but I immediately thought our place is in God. You know, where we belong is with God. And we're really empty and lost without him. I don't know how you felt before you came to know the Lord. I don't know how early you did that. But people do so much to try to fill that emptiness. They do so much to try to fill that place that only God can fill in our lives. And so, you know, they go after money or they go after stuff or they go over a job promotion or, you know, a lot of different things they go after. But it's not going to really fulfill them. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O God. And our hearts are restless until we rest in you. So regardless of the things that we try to think will make us happy or feel rested or feel accepted, that's really only God. I've had the privilege in the last few months and um, really over a, a number of years, but in the last few months and weeks, to meet with a warrior. And every time I've left more encouraged, even though I was the one going to encourage. And Brandon told me one day, I asked him about his favorite verse, Brandon Knight, and he said his favorite verse was the Philippians verse that we just read. And so I thought it would be appropriate, even, even to the point of when they did the uh, race for the cure, that was on the t-shirts they gave out. You know, I press on toward the goal. So I would like to read it to you now, and I'm in Colossians, which doesn't help, and there's Corinthians. Um, I did mark it in my Bible, and of course, then I need my children to hold it out, you know, like this, like they so gratefully did when I was, you know, singing a hymn or whatever in church. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And then it goes on to talk about other things. And then verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And to me, that, that verse is so huge, I think, for all of us, that it is wonderful, 
you know, to accept the Lord, obviously, that's the most important thing you do. It's wonderful to be filled with the Spirit and all of that. That is awesome. But that is just the beginning to know Christ. It's really just the beginning. And, and our lives are supposed to be a progression of coming to know him more and more. And I would tell you that there are days that I have done that well, times in my life where I've done that well, and times in my life when I wasn't pressing on that great. But I think the critical thing is that, that we be faithful. I think to know him, it's important to know scripture. And I know that's very basic. You know, it's kind of like the Easter story and the Christmas story and all of that. They don't change, you know. I mean, we say things that, that you already know about. But the, the critical thing is do we take it to heart? So scripture, just how he would teach in the synagogues and preaching the gospel and healing those that came to him. Jesus said of himself, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am life. So knowing him, I think, is such a critical priority for our lives. And yes, we learn things in Sunday school and we learn things at church and all of that. But I, I think it is critical that, that we all embrace the fact that knowing him and learning never stops. And we have to be in a progression of being in a place where we can be around other believers and, and be taught and, and be a part of growing more like him. I recently took an online class with Christian Healing Ministries, which is the ministry of Francis and Judith McNutt, who ministered here uh, several different times across the years. And one of the things she said that really struck me, she said, yes, we all, we believe in the Holy Spirit and we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but are you pressing into your gift? Are you really learning more and asking God more about it? Are you pressing on? So this is just the beginning of accepting Christ, being filled with the Spirit. There is no lasting fulfillment outside of this. I believe that with all my heart. That there are things we can achieve and things that we can do and all of that. But knowing Christ and becoming more like him. So we have to continue to grow and we have to gather. And what a privilege to be able to gather in this place after a time of when we could not. We need to be able to go and share the gospel. It's part of what we're supposed to do. It's part of the commandments. Growing takes effort in learning more about God, about his ways, about how to live. You know, that's not an easy thing necessarily, and sometimes we're tired and whatever, but it really is the most critical thing. And when it comes down to it, I mean, I have to live life just like y'all have to live life, you know, and there are dishes in my sink right now, and because my son is living at home, and um, although there would be anyway, probably anyway, just saying, Lauren is laughing behind her mask, anyway, he's awesome, uh, I hope he doesn't watch this, anyway, um, 
But we all have to live life, and I get it. And I get sports with kids. I get that, I promise. I've sat through many a softball game and many a cross-country meet, you know, joyfully, I might add. You know, it was always with great joy. It, it really was, because you need to be there for your kids, but at the same time, has anybody been to a track meet recently? Do you know how long they go? I mean, oh my gosh, you're committing. Anyway, growing in Christ is not an alone thing. We need to be in fellowship. We need to learn more about God. And I don't think we ever reach an age where we check the box and just go, okay, that's done. That's off my bucket list. I'm good. You know, I've been filled with the Spirit. I'm good. We have to press on. And that was one of the teachings of John Wesley was so critical of we press on. We continue to grow. We continue to be more like him. So we gather together in worship, in Sunday classes. We gather together in core groups. And we have groups that even meet by phone because some of the members don't have computers. And so Vicki Pierce is one, you know, they meet by phone in the core group. Her core group is full, by the way, <laughs> you know. But there are ways to be together in discipleship classes. If we ever, if I ever get to the point where I'm just going, I'm good, I've learned all that, I'm in trouble, and I'm not growing. If I ever get to the point of saying, well, I learned that a long time ago, I don't have to do that, to me, that would be a point of, of remorse, frankly. We learn to trust him as we learn more about him. Do we really trust his plan for our lives? I mean, do you really? <laughs> when I was in my 20s, um, I get the whole surrender and all that kind of stuff and go and all that kind of thing. And, and we took our kids on mission trips. And that is not the easiest thing to do. But I knew it would influence them. I wanted them to have a heart for the world. Not in a worldly sense, but to see how other people lived. And to see how other people loved God and, and all of that. And the people that, that lived in countries where it was not easy to worship. And gathering like this could put us in jail. I wanted them to see that. But my concern when I was in my 20s is that God would call me to go to Egypt. Now, I'd been to Egypt once. I'm sorry if you love Egypt. I apologize in advance. But we went on a trip, my mom and I went on a trip to Israel with uh, Paul Morell and at Tyler Street Methodist Church, and part of the trip was going to Egypt at the very end. Now, the end of the trip is significant because you're tired, you know, and you're kind of ready to go home and have a Dr. Pepper or whatever you drink, you know. On one of the trips, this was early on, his wife had put, you couldn't do this now, but she had put Dr. Pepper in her bags, her carry-on bags, because she knew she wouldn't be able to have it over, I'm not kidding. And so as they're going, going through the, you know, where they check you out and stuff, you know, the man was like, there's liquid in these bottles. And, and Paul Morell was like, my wife is addicted to Dr. Pepper. And we cannot find it where we're going. And so the guy let her have it. But I didn't wind up going to Egypt, kind of glad. Because it's not... When we, when we surrender to God's plans for our lives, it's not like a root canal without Novocaine. You know, it's not like he, he's just going, okay, I'll fix your wagon, 
you know, you're going to be miserable the rest of your life. When we follow his plans, it's when we're most fulfilled. When we follow his plans, sometimes that kind of lines up. He knows what's best. So do we really trust his plan for our lives? Do we really trust his plan for our children or grandchildren? See, I don't need to pray my good ideas for my kids. That's no help. I need to pray, God, what is your best for my children? God, fulfill your plans for, your, for my children. God, fulfill your plans for my life. God, fulfill your plans for this church. Those are the critical things. That we pray God's best for them. And pray that they would be prepared for the world they will face. Because it probably will be different than the world we have known. So equipping people, teaching children, all of that is so critical. And there are places around the world where teaching children would land you in jail. So we teach kids here. We teach youth. It's really pretty. Um, so in going to see Brandon, um, we had some hard conversations, not mean conversations, but, but when you're part of pastoral care is sometimes asking hard questions. And so uh, when Brandon first came home from Pate and, and was home, um, and he, he, the day I saw him, he was really in bed and not feeling well and all that kind of stuff. And I just sat by him, and I was only there about 15 minutes. You don't stay long, you know, all that. Um, but he was just, he just said, I, I can't do anything. I'm no good to my family. And I said, you are here. And you're able to tell, you can pray for Brandon, you can pray for Rachel and Asher and Banner. And the prayers are, are not just, you know, when they're young or in elementary school, but prayers go on, I believe, for our kids, you know, when they're 15 or 18 or 25 or whatever, that as we pray, and as we pray for God's best for them, we are trusting him with their lives. Brandon several times landed in the ER more than once. I mean, Rachel could tell you, but a couple of times recent, this was before the, I think it was last fall because it was right after an EHS class and uh, he had fallen and hit his head and he was trying to walk. The guy's a warrior. Do you know how hard he tried to walk? Do you know the energy that took? He went to work. He was a warrior. I mean, I can't, I can't put up anybody against Brandon Knight. So he was in the ER, I think it was the time after EHS, and, and so we were in the emergency room. He had cut a nine-inch gash in the back of his head. Does everybody know how long nine inches is? You want to guess how many staples it took? <laughs> he counted 14. 14 times somebody's stapling into the back of your head. And yet Brandon was, um, he was asking people how they were doing. And I thought, 
you're about to have a staple gun at the back of your head. You know, the gas, I mean, everybody came in and they were going, oh. You know, it was just so long. And he's asking them how they're doing and getting to know them. And it's not like he sat up in the bed and preached the gospel or whatever, but he was connecting with people at a time when, frankly, they, they, you know, they come in to connect with you and take care of you and all that kind of stuff. I think that was the time that the nurse thought I was his mom. And Rachel, and I would gladly claim him as a son because he's amazing. But, and Rachel said, well, numerically it's possible, you know. So, and I think that's probably right. But no, I said, no, I'm one of the pastors. So here's the thing. You're here. You can pray over your kids. You can tell them I'm proud of you. And if you haven't said that lately to somebody, it's important to say. If you haven't looked somebody in the eye and say, I am so grateful for you, or I love you. So in this season, Brandon's been able to pray for his kids. And I don't know the conversations that they've had, but I know he's prayed. Next Sunday is All Saints. Sunday. It's also communion, and we will be remembering those that have gone to be with the Lord in the last year. We will be remembering um, people around the world. When we take communion, it's just not, you know, us four no more, but it's everyone around the world who's taking communion. People in Cambodia that maybe we've never seen except from Chiv's videos, and yet they love Jesus. And they will be a part about surrounding the throne. And when we take communion and when we celebrate all saints, it's not just the people that have gone to be with the Lord in the last year, but way before that, and way before that, that there's a cloud of witnesses. So the church, I was looking for a picture of somebody. Y'all to get your pictures taken, so it's not hard. You know, I was looking for a picture of a guy that, you know, we put up the pictures and the dates and all that kind of stuff. And I found a picture of the church when it was the early 1900s. And this is where they gathered. Now, and on the back of it was a Sunday school report by Reverend John Majors, I think was his name, about how many people attended. It was really kind of fun. But... You know, they gathered in this church in Texas, and I'm guessing there was no air conditioning. Y'all with me? I'm pretty much betting there was not indoor plumbing. Everybody with me? And they gathered, and they worshiped, and they were part of the beginning of this. And I don't know if they thought about, okay, in years to come, there will be a First Methodist Carrollton. But those people, enduring a lot of hardship, came to worship. Came to worship. So we remember that I want to be like Christ. I want to know Christ. We remember each other. We remember the cloud of witnesses. Uh, Rachel, actually, in a, I don't know if it was a, talk with the preacher that's not it's beyond the sermon pardon me um time but she talked about a song that Brooke Fraser had uh, recorded years ago she wrote Hosanna and it was like 15 years ago and then they were 
rewriting and gathering a new part for uh, a new uh, album or anyway that they're going to put out. And part of it will be Hillsong and part of it will be Hillsong, Ki uh, Hillsong Youth. I don't remember. Anyway, they're, they're collaborating on all this stuff. And she sings this song. You need to go to YouTube and see it. Um, I, we did not, I asked Lauren if we could play it, and there's this thing called copyright, um, and we could get in trouble, especially since it's being broadcast, but uh, she, she talks about that the cloud of witnesses, as she's singing Hosanna, and part of it is very prophetic, you know, I see a new generation, you know, coming now before the throne, I mean, it, you know, the whole song is really pretty amazing, and at, the, at one part in it, she just kind of starts prophesying and she starts talking about the, the different people that, I mean, the crowd of witnesses. She started talking about those to come. And Lauren was able to put this on the screen without getting us thrown in jail. But, but she was singing, you know, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out. Let us make a way for those who are to come. And that's part of what we do, is making a way for those to come. When we teach children and when we teach youth and when we come to Sunday school, when we invite somebody to Sunday school or church, we're doing this. When we are involved in missions and support missionaries and go on short-term trips, when we no longer get cooties, when we go halfway around the world with the COVID thing, you know, every generation, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, We'll sing Hosanna. Lord save. I encourage you to go to YouTube and see that because it's incredibly powerful. Um, and an, really an amazing story for those who are to come. And I don't know if the people in the 1900s thought of that, thought of us. And I don't know what it will be in the future. But the most critical thing is that we know Jesus, that we press on, that, that we do not rest in what we know so far, but that we would press in to know more, to know him more. Amen.